0: Learn more about the all new Hyundai Santa Fe at HyundaiUSA.com or call 562 314 4603 for complete details.
1: Hey, y'all, I'm Bud Elliott, and this is Cover Three College Football Summer School. We've done our research on the teams, and now we're bringing on the top team experts from the 24 7 Sports Network to help us fill in the blanks. Please follow us on Twitter at Cover Three Podcast. That's Cover Three Podcast. And leave us a five star review on apple and spotify all right class is in session hey guys welcome back in to the cover three podcast summer school edition now it's time to talk a little stanford and nobody better do that with of course than jackson moore of cardinal 24 7 jackson welcome to the show
2: thanks for having me bud
1: I'm excited to talk, talk a little Stanford here. Um, last year, three and nine, uh, kind of a difficult season to watch. The the advanced metrics, power ratings, whatnot, seem to support the the three and nine season. Most had them kind of outside the top 100. Uh, I guess we should kick this off, and maybe I'll give you something you can answer in a positive fashion right off the bat. It it was that a bottoming out.
2: I, I would sure say so. I mean, it, and it's also. I mean, you look at their season, they start off with wins against, you know, USC and Oregon. (laughs) You never would have thought they would have just totally plummeted the way they did. And it wasn't just the way they lost all those games consecutively to end the year. But I mean, the margins and they just did not look competitive. They had some games that were close, but they had some ugly, ugly losses, like historic, like haven't happened for decades at Stanford kind of losses. So hopefully that's bottoming out. If it's not, they're going to need to make some changes (laughs) sooner rather than later. But um, hopefully it is. Uh, They had a lot of injuries last year. Uh, I don't think they really resembled what the roster should have ever looked like for a lot of the season. And hopefully when they get all the pieces together this year, they'll look a little different.
1: So let's start with the offense here. Um, Stanford traditionally uh, under Harbaugh and, and obviously under shot typically are known for having a really good rush offense. And yet all the efficiency metrics say that that was one of the very worst offenses in all of college football, despite the fact they did try to rush uh, often uh, That on an efficiency basis, not particularly good. Uh, is there any real hope that that gets better this year? What, what were sort of the main problems, and, and where, where do you see that going?
2: Yeah, I think you, know, you just point to the O-line more than anything, which is not something you're used to seeing being a weakness at Stanford. Uh, they did bring in a new O-line coach. They had a pretty young group of offensive linemen. None of them were seniors, so they're all back. So kind of cross your fingers that they all progress quite a bit from last year to this year, that they click a little bit better, that the players can really take advantage of a full year to get ready. And, I mean, there's, there's not a lack of perceived talent recruiting-wise, but uh, they're probably going to have to roll out the same five guys or so and, and hope for the best next season because – Otherwise, I mean, they have a lot of talent at the skills positions. Of course, Tanner McKee, uh, one of the best quarterbacks in his class and when outside of his injuries, uh, performed pretty well given the circumstances. They have a ton of just huge receiving targets at receiver and tight end. But that was about the only thing they had working for them last year. So if they get the running game going, which is going to be a, a task for them, they lose Austin Jones and Nate Pete, who both hit the transfer portal. But E.J. Smith had a really good spring, the son of Emmett Smith. And they've also got a guy, Casey Philkin's another young running back. I think they're really excited about what those two guys can do if they have the blocking to let them do what they can.
1: No doubt about it. Um, passing offense not nearly as bad as, as the rushing offense with 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 Tanner back and, and those guys. And where can this be a top fifty or sixty unit as opposed to you know like bottom hundred? How big of a jump do you think that that they'll take?
2: Yeah, they um, they revealed some weapons last year. They had Ben Jorosic and Elijah Higgins both really take big steps and be big targets. But they've got a lot of other guys, too, that just couldn't stay on the field. Michael Wilson was hurt all year. Uh, Bryson Tremaine had that ugly injury at uh, against Oregon in that win. And so the, and they've got some other receivers as well. So with the full cast, I mean, it could be a much uh, more diverse uh, passing offense. I mean, the majority of Stanford's passing game last year was thrown to those tall receivers and <laughs> not a lot of corners can stop it and the fades in the end zone. And, and so this is, I think, going to be a more well-rounded passing game that's going to be able to do some more work through the middle of the field and not have to rely on being so one-dimensional, even though it was one thing that was kind of working for him.
1: Awesome. All right, so we're, we're joined here by Jackson Moore of Cardinal 24-7 on the summer school series. Let's go ahead and switch over and talk a little Stanford defense. Uh, I I guess I'll go negative first and then maybe positive to, to end it. The top four guys on the defensive line are all gone. Is is that a bad thing? Like the defense wasn't actually good last year. So I'm not really like normally I'm say that's a bad thing,
2: but is it? Um, well, they the cupboard's a little bare right now. They had um just six defensive linemen in spring this year, one of them was hurt. And one or two of those other guys are are walk-ons, which, you know, usually Stanford does pretty well with walk-ons, but. um, Wait, wait, two of the six were (laughs) walk-ons? I mean, they've got uh, some work to do on the D-line. And the other thing they're doing this spring uh, is that they have focused more to a four-man D-line than a three-man D-line. So there's going to be more of those guys on the field. Uh, They're going to incorporate the the outside linebackers more as defensive ends. So um, that's going to change things a little bit, but. Yeah, I think more than anything, they're not going to have as much talent on the D-line this year definitively, but the scheme might be something that fits those players better and takes more of the pressure off of the D-line and more to the edge rushers and the outside linebackers and the inside backers, which uh, they have a lot more talent at those spots.
1: For sure, yeah. I, I was looking they they definitely had some good some good pass rushers at, at some of those outside and inside linebacker spots. So if some of those guys play D-end in your estimation they have the the depth the existing depth at linebacker to uh, to allow that not to take a step back at, at the backer position even even if you're swapping some of those guys to d end.
2: Yeah, they've got uh, quite a few outside linebackers and like three of the top recruits in this uh, class that they just brought in are all going to be edge outside linebacker kind of guys. Uh, David Bailey, the top recruit in their class got in for the spring and he was already taking some first team reps this spring, so um, I mean they've got quite a few options there and uh, I think ideally they want to have more kind of a four-man defensive line, but with the talent they have at the edge position, they're basically going to be the ends.
1: Secondary should be the strength of the defense, I would assume.
2: Yeah. Uh, we didn't even get to see Patrick Fields this spring. They think he's so polished that they didn't have to push him. Uh, was from coming, Arizona State? Uh, coming, from, uh, coming from Oklahoma. Oklahoma, excuse me, yes. and um, So, I mean, that's a big deal. They had Jonathan McGill, who's kind of a do-it-all defensive back who – Missed 10 games, came back for two, had two picks in those two games, so showed how much they missed him. And, um, I mean, Caillou Blue Kelly at corner, I mean, he's just he's going to be an NFL guy. So, um, yeah, we didn't get to see a whole lot of it at spring besides McGill because so many players were recovering and rehabbing. But once that group's in full force, that's going to be definitely the strength, the most polished group, and the most experienced group on defense.
1: I I usually in most of these segments with the discussion about the transfer portal and and going hunting in the portal, Uh, Stanford, with its academics, I imagine, has a a narrower pool uh, that that it can can shop in, so to speak. Um, If I can mix my metaphors. Do you anticipate them using the portal more uh, in in the offseason? Are they spoken about that places where they need to add depth? Uh, Just after our conversation, now I'm thinking uh, D-line for sure. Uh, Any idea what they might do there?
2: Yeah, it's just extremely rare. You know, basically they can only take grad transfers, and grad transfer at Stanford is a very difficult hurdle to pass. In fact, something that you know, fans and just college football uh, fans in general should really understand about Stanford is that they're not having many super seniors. Most of those guys that are fifth and sixth year seniors at most schools can't get into grad school, and they hit the portal as grad transfers, and know there's no reaction at Stanford like oh my gosh this 50 or 60 year guy hit the portal it's just expected because of the way things work there and they've I mean I think that's part of the reason why you see their high school classes ranked so high they know how many scholarships they're going to have they're aggressively pushing for high schoolers and they basically out of what they can't do at all they they're not putting much effort into the portal so a guy like Fields is going to be pretty rare for them hopefully you'll see maybe one or two of those guys each year but Um, Yeah, I don't see them maybe finding more than one more this offseason to be that kind of guy for him.
1: Kind of off script here for a minute, if if you'll indulge me, but do do you feel – this is just kind of something I've been noticing over the years, and I wanted to pick your brain about it. Mm -hmm. So if you look at, like, their power ratings, 2012 through 2018, they averaged, like, 18th in the nation. Pretty damn good. Mm -hmm. Last three years, 88th, 60th in, in the abbreviated COVID year, and in last year, 105th. And if you track that, that's basically the first three years where the early signing period really took effect, which I know David Shaw was the most vocal uh, opponent of the early signing period that I can remember when I, when I covered that issue when it was coming up for a vote. Do you Is this as big of an issue for, as far as Stanford talent acquisition as it appears to be just on the outside if you kind of try to draw a relationship from that? And and what, if anything, are they doing uh, to, to help Because I know that last year they just signed a really nice class.
2: Yeah, um, so they have now started allowing early enrollees, which has brought them at a more even playing field. Um, I don't think they've only taken two last year, the first time ever they had three this spring. And um, so I would assume that they're still kind of expanding that. I think more of those guys probably would have been eligible to do that. But just even uh, at the spring game, the question was posed to David Shaw, uh, how many guys did you miss out on because they wanted to enroll early and it wasn't an option here. And he said, I couldn't even start to start naming the list. There's so many guys. And um, I mean, top in players, of course. So that's been definitely hamstringing them. And um, it's not as big of an issue anymore now that they've kind of solved that with the uh, admittance process. And um, they seem to have worked through that. They had really good results with the, five guys they've brought in as early enrollees so far and they seem to be getting the green light to expand that.
1: Awesome. Jackson Moore, Cardinal 24-7. Make sure you follow him for all of his awesome summer updates. Thanks, buddy. Thank you.
0: The perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance,
1: hey y'all welcome back to the cover three podcast summer school edition now we're going to talk one of the true powerhouses in the sport of college football that's right the clemson tigers and to help us break it down we are joined by clemson 24 7s anna hickey anna welcome to cover three
3: hey bud thanks for having me
1: good good to see you again i, I know we'll be meeting of course at the ACC media days this summer but uh, it is summer school so we got a little little Clemson tigers to chat about um last year Somewhat of a step back on the field in terms of, of the you know, win loss record, but all the power ratings still really loved, loved Clemson as, as a team and just absolutely dominant defense, an offense that was uh, at times challenged and a lot of turnover this offseason. So I figure we'll start, we'll kind of start with what they need to work on offensively and then we'll just gush about this defense for the final five or six minutes. Um, so for the first time in quite a while, an offense outside of the top 70. Tony Elliott's gone to Clemson or gone to uh, Virginia. Did did you buy the criticisms of the offensive coaching staff for the last two years? I know we first started to kind of hear it when Trevor was going through the draft process. Some of the NFL guys weren't quite as impressed with some of the elements of the offense.
3: Yeah, I think so, but they made the coordinators available during the week and that makes such a big difference in trying to get it. And they were extremely transparent, um, Jeff Scott when he was there and then Tony Elliott last year and explaining to the media kind of their thoughts on why the offense was struggling. Um, and obviously Elliott is not going to come out and say, yep, the scheme sucks. Like it's all on me. I mean, he did admit that certain things needed to change, but it came back to the personnel it came back to not being healthy. And then obviously you're not going to just throw your quarterback under the bus, but it came back to, to DJ, Uyungole, just not meeting expectations um, offensive line was banged up and dealt with different combinations, but at the end of the day, they were not meeting expectations. Um, we could argue wide receiver play was certainly down. So just kind of a, a storm of things. Um, but I think this off season we've heard from Streeter, Brandon Streeter, who was the quarterback's coach now is the offensive coordinator and Kyle Richardson, who was promoted from an oh. off-field role to passing game coordinator. And they've been pretty open saying, yeah, we're going to tweak some things. Like, I don't I don't think you're going to see Clemson overhaul this offense. It's been a successful offense for a reason, but I think you're going to see more tempo. Um, and another thing that Richardson pointed out was, and it sounds elementary, but just having more post-snap answers built in down the field in route running kind of explained it, you know, last year if option – the first option wasn't open, the route would just be shut down. So now they just want more options and what they can do, A, B, and C, and hopefully that'll help get the ball um, and more playmakers' hands in space, which is ultimately what they want to do more of. Just wanting more post-snap answers built into the route running downfield. Last year, years in the past, it kind of seemed like if option A was not was shut down, taken away. Then that was kind of the end of the play. DJ would hold on the ball too long, make a bad decision. It would result in a snap, a sack. Offensive line wasn't good enough to hold up long enough. It just was kind of a myriad of things. And I think now another thing we heard from the staff was they want to simplify things. Um, they're taking some, which I thought was interesting and pretty transparent. They've said, yeah, during install, we've installed things. going back to Chad Morris since the spring, just because it's been in our offense. And then come fall, we Don't actually ever call these things in games because they're not that great of calls, so, anyways, they're taking that out, putting some more post snap answers in, and um, I think they, they hope that that'll help get more playmakers the ball in space, which is kind of the ultimate goal.
1: That's that's a really interesting answer, obviously. One of the major questions, uh, which you just answered, is like if you promote from within, what changes, right? So, it makes you wonder, kind of, did those guys have those ideas and thoughts going last year as as they were you know assistants and now they're elevated to that coordinator uh spot One one thing I'm, I'm very interested in and i obviously you know the personnel on this team much better than i do uh is i feel like clemson always had a guy whether it was hunter renfro or rogers or somebody who could get open reliably underneath like if you put a, a linebacker or a safety on hunter renfro that was a mistake and he was almost always going to get get open on on, on third and renfro uh, last year, the only guys who were less than six foot one who who ran more than ten routes, for, like ten routes for this team, were Davos twenty sons. So I'm, um, which no offense to Davos twenty sons, but like they were walk-ons, at, you know, out, out of high school. Like they're not really the upper level Clemson talent, I would assume. Do you think that like the lack of diversity of bodies and skill sets has has been a hindrance? And if so, do you, who do you see stepping up in that? slot underneath, you know, get open underneath type role?
3: Yeah, I think they probably would go back and recruit a different skill set, body type in a couple of classes previously. Now, last year, Troy Stellato can be a slot guy, but he was a true freshman. Brandon Spector is a slot guy, but he was out all year with COVID. Um And then they tried putting Justin Ross there because, like you said, they had these bigger body types. They wanted E.J. Williams on the outside. Um, and then – you know, they had Joe and Gata, and it just didn't, Ross was, he's talented. So it works sometimes, but it clearly did not work all the time. Um, so much so that towards the end of the season, they put Bo Collins who was a freshman last year in there and that mixed results um, this year. They really want Brandon Specter to kind of be that guy. They love his speed. They love his change of direction. It's just, he's been out of football for a whole year um, and dealt with a myriad of health issues related to COVID and, and breathing and, um so you know he does have a spring ball under his belt and the hope is you know that he can carry that into the fall another guy that I kind of have circled for potentially helping out this season in that role is freshman freshman Antonio Williams a Dutch fork um he doesn't arrive until July though so you know I don't know what that'll mean for fall camp in the beginning of the season but he is someone I think if not the towards the beginning of the season maybe towards the end he'll be able to come on and help Clemson in that role but you're right they had they definitely missed that last year.
1: For sure. I I'm I'm really interested to see what happens there. Like i was like, I love all these guys, but they're all clones. <laughs> you know I mean? It's like they're all they're all really, really fun to watch run. And they're like, wait a second, who's who's the short dude? But one thing, like speaking of running, their run game down the stretch, and particularly the play of the offensive line, I thought got much better as as they leaned on it. And you had some young kids come on and, and like I maybe assu- maybe you disagree. I I thought the like the efficiency numbers for the offensive line. Really, the last four or five games, they they ticked up. It, it, I know the whole offense wasn't great, but do you think the national media is kind of missing some of the storyline here about the improvement in the Clemson offensive line down the stretch?
3: Yeah, I think it definitely got better. Um, I think Will Shipley getting more comfortable helped too. Um, I think this year, all eyes are on Thomas Austin, the first-year offensive line coach and fans are very eager and hopeful that He's younger. He relates to the players a little bit better than Robbie Caldwell, who'd been there forever and obviously knows every every trick in the book. I mean, he's extremely well versed in offensive line play. But in terms of recruiting, in terms of communicating to the players, teaching scheme, kind of getting all that across, um, I think it was time to make that change. So, you know, this year I'm interested to see whether those um, now they're upperclassmen, but like a Mitchell Mays, for example, can take the next step. Um, You have Walker Parks and Jordan McFadden on the outside, and they're great players. So I don't think you should have too much of an issue there. Center was an issue last year. Um, This year, they're sliding starting guard Will Putnam into center. And so far, so good. He had a good spring game, didn't have too many snapping issues in the spring. So we've been told. Um, And I think they might actually go to the portal for a guard. So oh, not okay. just quarterback Hunter Johnson who is I in my mind that's not really a portal edition. Um but it's like an
1: HR know. hiring decision. Yeah, right? exactly.
3: <laughs> um so I think that'll be a priority um between now and um whenever they can get a guy on board. But I, I do think if guys can stay healthy, should be better than last year.
1: So DJ or Kate, is there in your mind, somebody who is the favorite to win this job at QB?
3: So it's not really a job if you asked Abbo, I mean, or a competition if you asked Abbo, you know, he said after the spring game, he was asked about it and his wording was DJ did nothing this spring to lose his job, which was not exactly like DJ did everything to keep his job. It was kind of skirting around the question a little bit. I mean, I do think that
1: If you have to ask, it's kind of a question. Right.
3: Right. No, yeah. And especially after the spring game where with DJ, I mean, he looks better. He's more mobile. He's down to 240 pounds. He said he played his heaviest last year at 260 and wants to play this season at 230, 235. So he just looks better. And the whole point of losing that weight was just to be more mobile in the pocket, kind of navigate it better. And that we saw last Saturday in the spring game. Um, and hopefully that would, the idea is that would translate to better footwork, better balance, and which I thought we saw in the spring game too. But again, he's in a purple Jersey. He's not, it's not live, not live bullets. He's not getting tackled. So when he's really under duress, is that footwork that was just horrendous at times last year, is it actually better? Um, and then even in the spring games, accuracy wasn't where it needed to be. Uh, he did miss some throws, and obviously, the teams were split up. His offensive line didn't have the full offensive line or, or Arsenal at wide receiver, but um, it, was, it wasn't it was a hundred. I mean, it wasn't a hundred and eighty degree change from what we saw from last year. Club um, Nick, obviously, number one quarterback last year, composite, um, big time talent. He's 190 pounds. I think Dabo wants him to get up to 200 before the start of the season. And you look at him in his frame, he's just skinny. Um, And I think he's used to to in high school. He's a fast dude, don't get me wrong. But in high school, kind of running away from everybody. And Dabo kind of made the point he's not going to run away from Xavier Thomas or Miles Murphy. So um, his legs definitely are an asset. And he's got great touch on the ball. He's accurate. But he's still a freshman. Um, So I'm interested to see how much he can grow, how, how many steps he can take in terms of grasping the offense, protections, all that sort of thing this summer and this fall camp. And if DJ comes out against Georgia Tech in week one, Labor Day weekend, I think that's a Monday game, you know, and struggles, immediately the conversation will be, okay, when is Klubnick coming in and what can he do and is he the best option?
1: No doubt about it. Um, So. I know you don't know this because we haven't released them yet. We already did the Georgia Tech one, and I don't think that Clemson is going to have much problems. But if they do, you're right. That, that, that yeah. I,
3: well, didn't we say that all last year? Again? We like, did. We there, did. I mean, in every week.
1: <laughs> this, this is true. And it turns out it was kind of more of a Clemson problem because Georgia Tech was yeah. bad. Uh, <laughs> something that wasn't bad, though, and that just held everything together was the Clemson defense. I mean, Clemson could have punted on third down last year and still won a whole bunch of games because of – of this defense and i think the elephant in the room for those of us who don't cover clemson on a daily basis is is venables going to oklahoma a you know, long time coordinator i think multiple time burrell's award winner if not he should have been um what do you see changing with this defense this year
3: well now led by west goodwin who's been under venables so the scheme is not going to change a ton i do think we heard a lot this spring is that they're simplifying things i don't think that necessarily means you know they're like I said, they're not changing the defense, but what we heard from multiple assistant coaches is what they, they slowed down the install. So there's no need to install 220 blitzes on the first day of spring to where, you know, the Jamie Skalskis that have been there forever can grasp it. The freshmen, you know, are have kind of head on a swivel and then the offensive line is just completely overwhelmed. So in practice. So what they kind of did was they want to teach the nuances, teach the position a little bit more, um, and make sure guys know what they're doing, why they're doing it, whether it's technique, fundamentals, scheme wise, whatever, just spending more time on that. And then week week by week basis, building the install, depending on the game opponent in the fall. Um, so we heard the term simplification plenty. Now, with that said, they're going to be aggressive. We saw in the spring game, I mean, they were bringing a safety blitz. They were. I mean, they were doing all sorts of things in the spring game. Um, so, you know, I don't know how much it'll change scheme-wise, especially when you have a dominant defensive line, which Clemson will this year. I think they'll have one of the best in the country. At least they'll have one of the more veteran ones in the country, um, should be pretty fast and athletic at linebacker. They knew Trenton Simpson, who played Sam last year inside the box. So I think you'll get to see his skill set more. Um, and then if you're looking for a breakout player, I would look at Nate Wiggins, the sophomore cornerback. I think he'll be pretty locked down for Clemson this year.
1: Awesome. I, I, going back to that, that, uh, install approach. I think it's very interesting that the the coordinators are, are working together, or maybe that's Dabo telling the defensive coordinator, you know, Wes, who I know a lot of people have a ton of respect for, uh, Hey, like this is a holistic approach and we do need to think about how, what we do every day on defense impacts our offense. You know, maybe you need to spoon feed the offense a little bit to build some confidence or just allow them to function. It, it's almost, uh, Avoiding kind of some of those like more famous must champ Florida practices where the offense just couldn't get going because the defense was right. was great and they were going full speed from day one, um, and I don't think any other team has all nine defensive linemen who had 100 plus snaps return. That how does Dabo keep all these? I know he doesn't take very many transfers in, but you know there's got to be other teams out there who are just looking at it saying, uh, "You can come start here, you can come start here." This right. Is, that's that's amazing. Like the, that depth. It just creates such a floor for this team. There's so much that could go wrong. And when you have that many dudes who are proven good players and experienced, it's just almost impossible to have any kind of huge drop-off, even in the worst-case scenario. Like, I I try to do floor-ceiling projections, and I'm looking at Clemson. Like The the floor is super high, even if the offense sucks, because of of that defense and particularly defensive line. It's nuts.
3: Yeah, I'm surprised. Uh, I don't think anyone saw Xavier Thomas returning. I mean, people thought he was going to be a three and done, you know, and he he felt like in last year he decided to stay. And this year, this was kind of like last year was like, all right, this is like your, your exclamation point. You got your body back. Um, and this year he just feels like there's another another level for him. He wants to get double digit stacks. It's kind of his goal. Um, so, yeah. And then, and then Miles Murphy junior this is kind of his his money year I think he'll probably turn pro after this year and KJ Henry decided to come back Justin Maskell those are just the ends and then inside you've got Brian Brzee who was injured coming off an injury shoulder and knee but should be ready to go by this offseason um, and then Tyler Davis inside and then that's not even mentioning like Rook Roro or Trey Williams so yeah like you said they're loaded Um, and I think Christian Wilkins few years ago and Austin Bryant, when they decided they kind of surprised everybody and decided to come back, it kind of set the expectation at Clemson that you can come back and accomplish what you need to want to accomplish, whether it's win more games, get a higher draft grade, gradu- graduate, whatever it is. Um, and that and those defensive linemen, they, they kind of they love they, they've kind of created that identity. They were the Power Rangers um and this year they've they've come up with a name i can't remember what it is but they've all got their their own kind of identities and um they embrace it they like it they like each other and um i think they like the fact that kind of they're the alpha position on the team
1: you you mentioned uh trenton sampson obviously who was a very fast rising recruit right i know everybody had him pretty high skalski and and specter are gone correct right okay if you could pick out one more name for me that you think is going to step up and be the other dude there. I know Clemson's recruited the position extremely well. Obviously, you know, Trotter and everybody else they've signed. Is there somebody else other than Simpson who is is, is projected to step up now?
3: Mike Backers kind of uh it's a, it's a battle. Um, we haven't got to see spring practice. so I I'm sure there's a pecking order. They're just not kind of telling us wanting to keep up, keep all those guys on campus for a while. Um, Jeremiah Trotter, though, he's younger than Vonta Bentley or um, Keith McGuire. But I think he's someone he's great instincts, knowledge for the game, hard hitter that gets set up at that mic. And then Sam Barrett Carter, he was a five star for 24 seven sports and he's a sophomore now and steps into that role outside the box. So he'll be charged with covering um, and then also tackling. So, you know, I think they really could be. Yeah, they lose Specter. Yeah, they they lose Skalski, who are you know they were the quarterbacks of the defense and such. I mean, they they knew Venables' defense inside and out. They could call the plays. So from a leadership standpoint, yeah, there might be a void, but I don't think from a talent, especially from an athleticism standpoint, there will be a drop
1: off. Awesome, and of course, Clemson will maybe go to the portal for a guard, uh, potentially anybody on defense. Like, could you see him adding what if they had to corner? Maybe I guess, but. Uh,
3: If everyone's healthy, I don't see it. We asked Dabo this question after the spring game, and he says, I mean, you know, transfers are about to start happening as exit meetings and all that good stuff start occurring um, after the spring. So you don't totally know what your roster is going to look like in the summer, but he did say if everything stays the same, um, offensive line is the only position that they will look for in the portal right now. So that's that, I guess.
1: Anna Hickey of Clemson 24-7 joining us on the Cover 3 College Football Summer School Series. And I really appreciate the time. Learned a lot about the Tigers today.
3: Thanks, bud.
1: All right, that's the bell. Cover 3 College Football Summer School is over for today. But don't worry. We'll be back soon with even more episodes filling you in on the top teams in college football. Please give us those five-star reviews on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Follow us on YouTube and on Twitter at Cover3Podcast. And we'll see y'all soon.